Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. I know I have spoken at some point about growing up in the funeral business, but our house was next door to the funeral home and attending to it was our way of life. Now, I don't want you to think this is some large enterprise. This was a tiny little family business where my father always had to have two additional jobs just to put us through college. So we're not talking grandiose by any stretch of the imagination. However, I was fortunate enough to watch my family tirelessly do ministry as they served this small community 24-7. I've often joked about my father, who's died almost 25 years ago, that he wore a necktie to bed just so he would be ready when the phone rang in the middle of the night. Before the days of cell phones or even an answering machine, we seldom got away. I recall a many a Sunday lunch and Christmas dinner when he had to leave to go leave the family to take a call. And when he died, my mother took on the business. She tried to be better about taking off and getting away to recharge. Well, one weekend when she tried to get away for some family time on the coast of South Carolina, we were just about to get underway aboard our salty old trawler called the Dawn Treader. We were provisioned and fueled up when the phone rang, this time a cell phone. She answered, we saw the look on her face and we all knew the weekend was not going to happen as planned. I know any physicians don't know anything about that. <laughs> but she was moved with compassion, and she knew she needed to be there with this particular grieving family. We tried to talk her out of it by saying, let them handle it. They can just do this without you. We even tried to make her feel guilty for leaving us. In the end, she made the right decision at this particular time, moved by compassion for this family. In our gospel, the apostles, the same ones that were sent out a couple weeks ago without bread or bag or money, they are back from their mission trip. And just as when any of our young folks come back or older ones come back from Glory Ridge or any mission trip, they're excited, they wanna tell what's happened. In our story, that's it, that's what's going on. The apostles come back excited, but they're so surrounded by people coming and going that they don't even have time to eat, much less time to process all that has occurred. They had been out fighting evil, anointing the sick, and even being part of people actually being healed. As the story tells us, Jesus invites him to come with him. He doesn't tell them to go home and take rest and take a nap. Rather, he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to get some rest. 
albeit short-lived, we can hear that rejuvenation of just being with Jesus in this encounter. Unfortunately, others have the same desire to be with Jesus. And before they get the first bite of fish in their mouth, they've been found out, the people are moving in. Because you see, these people from the ancient Galilee lived in a difficult and a fearful time. The Romans had taken their land. As we heard last week, King Herod is off in his palace partying with his cronies, and he has beheaded John the Baptist. Injustice was everywhere. Poverty was always in their midst, as well as hunger or illness and death. The future was uncertain, and they were afraid. I never get over how often the Bible sounds just like the news on TV from our world today. That phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is a regular biblical way of the Hebrew scriptures describing the people of Israel when they had no king or leader. So when Jesus refers to them as sheep without a shepherd, he sees them as leaderless, kingless folks. We're going to see next week they're going to try to make Jesus king. But on the other hand, the disciples, they don't evidently don't share quite the same compassion for the people as does Jesus. Now, just as my sisters and I were ready for that vacation, the disciples are ready for their retreat with Jesus. They tell him to send them away. Actually, show a little compassion, Jesus, and let them get something to eat. Our fish are getting cold. Well, if we keep reading or come back next week, we will discover what happens next. They don't get their retreat, but this is when he tells them to go feed the 5,000. In the Gospel of Mark, the disciples are often depicted as never getting it, being confused, not understanding Jesus, not understanding Jesus or his mission or their part in it. But as this passage it doesn't do a whole lot to help them understand <laughs> because Jesus calls them to get some rest and now they have to go feed all these people. Seems a bit like a mixed message. Do we need the rest or do we just keep going and going and going? Do we follow God's command for a Sabbath or do we always take care of the needs of those that are never ending? The church struggles with this same dilemma. As we plan faith formation this fall, where we want to focus, we, will we focus on contemplative practices that call us to slow down? Or are we going to have ministry drives that ensure we all get out of the pews and get up and get serving this community? Will we understand that leaders have to take a break in order to sustain good discipleship? Or will we expect our new rector to be available to us 24-7 because our needs are so pent up? One of our favorites is during Lent when we say this is a season of reflection, a time of renewal. But then we ask you to come out to an event or go to someone's house. 
Which will it be, to come to Jesus to get some rest or to come with Jesus to feed the 5,000 that awaits for us on the streets of Wilmington? I believe the answer is yes, both and. God has built into our very being our need for rest. To balance doing with renewing, it occurs every 24 hours. If we don't get the rest, we're not good for anything. And sometimes we are called to serve tirelessly. I think we find that balance embedded in that word compassion. For any of you who have ever taken your vacation time to go on a mission trip where you serve others tirelessly, you may understand that fine-tuned balance. But we often think of that word compassion as meaning to take pity, which actually is one definition if you look it up for compassion. But pity is something we can manage from afar. I can take pity on these, inund these people inundated by floods all around the world right now, and those in the w on the West Coast with their extreme heat send money, and I can manage that pity from the comfort of my own home. But another little more literal definition of compassion means to suffer with someone. When we are moved with compassion, we suffer with those in need, and we do it all the while we're resting in Jesus. Now, if that seems clear as mud, too often we do confuse our busyness and our desire to control with God's call for us to serve, confusing our activism with our ministry. Now, we need activists that are going to fight for some rights. But those who continue to fill every single minute with projects and frenzied activities, of which I can be the worst offender, and we don't find time to renew or to fill, fulfill our souls, either burnout will come or we'll use others to fill empty places in our own souls. Our spirits need rest and renewal. Thomas Burton says, and I paraphrase, the frenzy of the activist neutralizes his or her work. It destroys the fruitfulness of our work because it kills the root of inner wisdom, which makes work fruitful. Sometimes I, like the disciples, get confused, and I can't always tell when I'm working where God has called me or if I'm just working within my own strength. This message doesn't have a sweet little ending today because there's tension for us to hold. Your balance of doing and renewing is going to look different than my energy level or my balance of renewing and different doing, but I can assure you that if we come and find our rest with Jesus, we will be renewed even when we serve with Jesus. Amen.